Welcome to the Inside Edge. Tonight, I'm Bob McElligot, and Jody Shelley is not with us, at least not at the beginning, because Jody is working uh, with the NHL Network and then soon with TNT on the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. So he's in New York. We'll catch up with him later. And uh, helping me out tonight to get things started, Jeff Rimmer taking Jody Shelley's place, which is not an easy thing to do. Thank you, Jeff. Big skates to fill, but I'm willing to do it. All right. Well, we're going to get right to it here because to get things started, we've got the general manager of the Blue Jackets, Yarmo Kekalainen, with us. And, Yarmo, let's go back a couple of days ago on Saturday, the day after the season ended. Uh, you came out, made the announcement that you are in the market for a new head coach as Brad Larson is not going to return as the head coach. Manny Legacy is not coming back as the goaltending coach. I would imagine you've been a pretty, uh, a pretty busy guy between Saturday and today as you work on uh, that situation and one that you don't have to have done immediately. I, I totally understand that, but I know you're busy at it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, difficult day, obviously, on Saturday, uh, parting ways with a couple of people that we worked with for a long time, we respect and, and like. So um, we got a lot of work ahead of us. And it started on, on Saturday, and, and it's continued pretty much nonstop ever since. We fully recognize that uh, we seasons like this that we've had uh, you know, two years in a row missing that or three years in a row missing the playoffs and and um, you know the the uh, the year that we had this year obviously had a lot of things factoring in but but we we don't want to be in this position again and 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 we recognize we have a lot of work to do but that's why we're going at it and uh, we'll be uh, we'll have a fresh new look going into next year. That's for sure, and and we'll be a lot wiser going through the adversity weeks we've experienced this year. I know you talked all about this on Saturday, so I'm not going to get into when it started to become apparent to you that it was time to make a change at that position. What I'm more interested in is, as you're going through the process now, what characteristics are you looking for out of the next head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets? I think it's always been important for us to uh, – to, uh, hold a standard very high on, on how we go about our business every day. That's never going to change. That'll be the number one thing. I think that's how teams get better. That's how individuals get better. And, and that's, uh, that's the level that's needed in order to, uh, to make the playoffs and, and ultimately uh, become a Stanley cup champion. That standard can never uh, um, go below a certain level whether you go through adversity or, or not, or whether you have injuries or not, or whether you, uh, you um, have difficult times and you, you weigh a bit of your confidence, the standard of, of, of uh, work, the level of work that we put in every day, it can never drop. It, it, the same drive needs to be there every single day, no matter what you're going through. That's how you work yourself out of it. Yarmo, is it necessary to have a head coach to, to succeed, Brad Larson, that has NHL head coaching experience? It's never going to hurt you, that's for sure. It's it's only going to uh, uh, give you a better chance to succeed. But at the same time, we, we've seen a lot of coaches in the NHL come into the league as, as uh, fresh and not having that experience and become very successful very quickly. And I think that that's the, uh, the, uh, the other qualities that you need in a head coach that, that make you successful. It's not just about experience. Experience is good. Obviously there's, there's no question about it, but, but uh, Scotty Bowman had to start at some point and uh, you know, you take any coach that's been the most successful in this league and its history they always needed that chance to prove to everybody that they can be a real good head coach. So I, I don't think that's something that's required. Um, but, but um, you know, there, there are a lot of qualities that we're going to look at very closely that are very, very important in becoming and, and being a very good head coach in the National Hockey League level. It is a hard job. Um, it, it's it's um, holding that standard every single day. And it's, it's a lot of people. So you need uh, need a lot of different qualifications. You need a lot of different uh, um, 
areas of knowledge that you need to put in there. You need constant communication. You need to have your antenna up all the time so that you can, if the standard slips in any area, whether it's, it's the, uh, the work we put in the gym, the work we put on the ice, how we conduct our business, how, how we uh, handle ourselves when we're representing the team on the road, off the ice, head coach, has to be the hardest working guy in the whole organization. He's always available for for the players to get feedback from and always knowing exactly what's going on with not only the players, but his staff in the locker room too. So the standard doesn't slip in any of the areas. Again, just to take it a step further, and and perhaps maybe that's why I asked the first question, uh, how about a coach that maybe not necessarily a head coach, but one that has experience of uh, being part of a winning organization by that, maybe a Stanley cup champion or even an American hockey league championship. Well, the teams that have won and are winning consistently, they know what winning, winning takes. And I, I think that uh, for the most part here, we've been proud of our culture, how we go about our business, how hard we work on, on day-to-day basis. And and it may have slipped a little bit here with with the frustration that we had going on all year with the injury, and um, you know we're losing a lot of games. And but there's no time to feel sorry for yourselves in this league. And and, and if if you uh, think that you're wounded, the other teams in this league they're just gonna jump right at your your uh, throat and and take the life out of you. Then nobody's gonna feel sorry for you around the league. So. Um, I think it's really important, whoever our next head coach is, to set the right kind of culture, the right kind of standard, right from day one, where they show that the, the standard's never going to slip, and and we're gonna we're gonna look at everything, every little every little detail, every single day, and and you know you're either with us and you're up to the standard or you're out. You just went through this process a couple of summers ago. Is there any chance that as you're going through things, maybe somebody you talked to before is someone you will revisit this time around? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, go through those processes and you get to know uh, a lot of people um, that you interview. You get to get a lot of lot better understanding of them as as uh, not only coaches but human beings, and and those things factor in as well. You know. Um, well, Pascal Vincent, for example, was a guy that we, we interviewed last time around and, and we were very, very impressed with him. And, and uh, unfortunately, it was the time of the Zooms and, and not being able to cross the borders and, and, um, and um, you know, the COVID times that we lived in that, that we couldn't really feed, meet, meet with him face to face. But we were so impressed with him um, in the process that my first recommendation when we decided to go with Brad Larson was to talk to Pascal, um, to, to, uh, try to get him on board and as, as an associate head coach. And, um, you know, that's, that's one example of, of a guy that you come, come across in this interview process that you co- come back and say, well, I was very, very impressed with what, what he uh, presented, how he would go about his business. And, um, and, uh, you know, the, the, that's just the one example. But we, we interviewed a lot of coaches last time and we got all those notes still and some of them are not available and some may be. And, and uh, as I have said many times before, right now there's 16 disappointed teams and there's going to be 24 in, in less than two weeks. And we'll see what the, uh, the marketplace will look like as far as the candidates go. And, and we'll study them very carefully and, and get to a decision as soon as we feel we got the right guy. There was another question I was going to ask you, but based on your answer to that question, I'm just going to ask you flat out. You know Pascal Vincent very well right now because you've had him as an associate coach for two years. Does that give him any kind of an inside track? Yeah, yeah, we we feel that we you know we don't I don't think we need to interview him uh, as in depth as we did last time because we know what type of coach he is, we know what type of person he is, how hard he works, and all those things. So uh, we'll certainly talk to him uh, again about what he uh, he would do uh, as a head coach, what he would do differently, what kind of standard he would set, and how he would do it, how he would go about it every single day. But um, you know he's he's been a great addition to our group. He's a, he's an extremely hardworking coach, and a very good man. So 
he's definitely going to get very serious consideration here. And as a GM who just hired an assistant coach as a head coach a couple of summers ago, I could see where maybe there could be some concern about doing that again. But what you're saying here is, and I think this is very fair, everybody starts from scratch. Whether it's a guy like Pascal that's been here, whether it's been somebody from the outside, everybody's going to be evaluated the same way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that the when you're dealing with human beings, whether it's a player or a coach, it's not an exact science. A lot of things go into the uh, in, into a season or two seasons where so many things can go wrong and, and things can go sideways a bit. That's just the human nature. There's been a, there's been a lot of coaches uh, around the league that have uh, failed in their first position, first opportunity, and become extremely successful because of the uh, the experience they went through, and uh, you know Scotty Bowman wasn't a Stanley Cup champion right off the bat, and and um, you know I don't think anybody yeah. needs to get reminded how many how many of those cups he won, but he he went through adversity and had to learn from his experience how to do things differently, and and became very successful because of it. Um, that's what life's all about. It's about learning and, and, and dealing with adversity and trying to be a better man and trying to be a better coach, better professional. Um, you know, I, I try to do that every single day as a general manager, try to, try to learn, try to get better at it. I've been in hockey management for 28 years. I don't take a single day in any of the conversations we have internally with the coaching staff, with the players, thinking that, you know, I, I got this. I've been at it so long that that, you know, you don't need to tell me how to get better. I don't have that attitude. I, I I try to encourage feedback from anybody that works with me, from the players, so that I could become a better general manager. And then I expect the same attitude from everybody who works for us, whether it's the head coach or scout or or anybody. That the last thing I'd ever want to hear is that I, I've been doing this for forty years. I know what I'm doing. Don't tell me how I can get any better. I I I got this and. You know, that's probably a day, uh, if I ever think that way, is the day that I'll, I'll retire and step aside. But uh, I love what I'm doing, and I want to get better at it. We're talking with Blue Jackets general manager Yarmo Kekalainen tonight here on the Inside Edge. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. Right after I tell you that 2023-24 Blue Jackets ticket plans are on sale right now. They start at just 11 games, and you can choose the seats that you want and the games that you want while saving up to 40%. For details, go to bluejackets.com slash ticket plans. More with Yarmo Kekalainen as the Inside Edge continues after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. I'm Bob McElligot, joined by Jeff Rimmer as a co-host right now. Jody Shelley will be joining me later on in the show. But right now, Jeff and I are talking with Blue Jackets general manager Yarmo Kekalainen, who has both a head coach and a goalie coach that he's going to be hiring here in the next couple of weeks. What about uh, the goaltending coach? What are the qualities that you're looking for moving forward here with the new goalie coach? I talked about this in the press conference. I talked about this in the individual individual meetings with our goaltenders. Uh, and, and I said that there's five boxes that every goaltender who wants to be a number one goaltender in the NHL need to uh, uh, fill. One is the talent level, the ability to play the position. Two is the reliability. Um, three is consistency. Four is the work ethic. And that ties into in, in with the reliability and consistency because you that is such a hard position to play the load that you need to carry as a number one goalie, that you need to be the hardest working guy in order to be reliable and consistent, to stay healthy, first of all, but also to be able to carry that load that is huge, both physically and mentally as, as a number one coach. And you need to be a great teammate. You really need the guys in front of you to play for you, to, to go to war for you, block shots, get in front of shots, and and sacrifice their body in order to help the goaltender that they love and and those five boxes there's there's no compromise in any of them and, and you need to fill those boxes every single day and a goaltending coach that understands that that's that's what's required that's you know he, he needs to understand that too and the good goaltending coaches do they 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 understand the work that you need to put in they understand that that the uh the work will get you uh, reliable and consistent, and but they also recognize the talent and, and, and what needs to be done on that level in order to make them a technically better goaltender. 
I can't explain that, to be honest with you. I'm not a goaltending expert. That's why we have the experts that, that know how to break down somebody's game on technical level and what, what they need to do better. I can tell you that about skaters, but I can't tell you about the goalies. And it's a whole different world. But the, the, there's no compromise in those five boxes that uh, that you need to fill. And they need to be filled every single day. And and um, again, the head, the, the goaltending coach will will set the standard where that's required every single day. How does how does that one work in particular with the goaltending coach? And what I mean is, is that a head coach's decision once you bring him on board? Is that more of an organizational decision? And uh, another part of that question is, there have been some teams now that they they've created these goaltending departments where they have like a director of goaltending and then coaches kind of report to that guy who then reports to the general manager. Have there been any uh, thoughts or talks about taking that approach to it as well? Well, we have a little bit of a similar, our director of goaltending is the head head goalie coach who, uh, who communicates with the goalie coach in Cleveland, who communicates with our goalie development coach, who's Nick Backstrom in, uh, in Europe. And Brad Thiessen takes takes care of our prospects over in North America, watching tape with them, communicating with them. And uh, so we have three people in place where we feel that we have a goaltending department that, that can handle the job and, and we'll have a, goal, a goaltending department that can have the job once we hire the next uh, head goalie coach uh, with the Blue Jackets. He, he will be in charge of, of communicating with Cleveland and, and the development coach in Europe. Um, so uh, I, I, you can give any titles to any any number of guys you want. Um, the most important thing to me is that the job gets done. And I think it will get done with the three people that we have in place. Um, you know, um, it's, um, you know, interesting just just by adding people and giving different titles to me has always been irrelevant. It's it's more about having the right people in in right places and getting the job done. Let's switch gears to the draft lottery because I've been in the room with you the last couple of years during the uh, the selections of or the revealing of the selection. It's already done by the time it comes on TV, but you don't know what the answer is until it comes up on that screen. And there have been uh, a couple of. Uh, Tense moments in the last couple of off-seasons, uh, waiting to see where you're going to pick. But I'm assuming that uh, this year will be um, the most tense because you finish next to last overall in the standings. You could move up to that number one spot. Uh, you're hoping not to fall out of the number two spot. Uh, obviously, you're, you're hoping for the best there. But are you looking forward to this lottery coming up in a couple of weeks? Yeah, it's going to give us a lot of answers. Obviously, uh, you know, it could give us an answer where we could, we might get immediate help with our team in a position that that we need the most, uh, or or one of the positions that we need the most, which is center iceman. Um, it could give us a real good player that we may have to wait for a year or two before he can make an impact on our team. Uh, if if we happen to fall a bit in the, in the uh, draft order. Um, but it's going to be an exciting day, and I, I, I'm uh, I'm not a gambler. I don't play the uh, the lot. I don't buy the lottery tickets. Um, but I, I'm I'm going to have my fingers crossed this time, and hoping that that uh, you know, hey, maybe this time it's it's the luck that we've earned through uh, all the adversity that we've gone through, and it, it would be a, a real great thing for our organization moving forward to finally have some good luck and and uh, get the pick we need and and, uh, and move forward with a real positive uh, outlook on, oh. on our team immediate, immediately going into next year. You should go out and buy a couple of tickets just to practice, just to see how it's working for you. Yeah. yeah well, I have bought a couple of tickets in my life, and it's never worked out for me. So let's, let's hope that the uh, – the pause that I've taken from, You're from due. wasting You're due. Wa wasting my money, or well, as I call it, every time I enter some kind of a bracket or lottery or whatever, you know, when I when I give my money to the uh, the basketball brackets in the uh, NCAA's, I always call it donating money because it's that's what it is. I ah. never win anything, and um, you know, so I feel the same way. Everybody, every time I buy a lottery ticket, I'm just donating money, but but. Um, this time, I hope that the uh, luck aligns uh, 
for the for the Blue Jackets, for the fans that have been incredible through all, all of this, for all the CBJ faithfuls in, in uh, Columbus and Ohio. They deserve it. Um, we deserve it. And, I, and that's why I'm I'm so hopeful that uh, this time we, we get some good luck. Yarmo, you're due. Let's say that right up front. You and the Blue Jackets are overdue for that matter. Uh, on another topic, you have a second first round pick uh, by virtue of the trade with Los Angeles. Gavrikov, of course, uh, has gone on and played well, as has Jonas Corpusalo. Uh, with that pick, are you still as you said a few weeks ago, looking to perhaps trade it? Or have you changed your mind and uh, thinking now that uh, maybe you use that for a draft that we're, we continually are told has a uh, a high end beyond the first four or five picks? I think we still have the same exact outlook as, as I said uh, a few times before. I, I think we're going to look for some immediate help, the help that can help us going into next year make our team better but not just for next year into the future we need to uh we need to build this the right way and before we're ready to compete for a cup might still take some time so we we don't want to just give us a push for a year or two we need we need to use that pick very wisely to to push us into the future as for several years and that's that's going to be something of a criteria that that we need to have in in making that pick available. If there's a player that can push us onto another level immediately, but also into the next three, four, five years, um, when, when our young group here grows and develops into a group that can compete for Stanley Cup, not only in, in, the, in the time that we start getting there, but once we get there, we want to do that every single year for, for a long period of time. And that's that's the the process that we're going right right through right now, and it's painful. I acknowledge that, but in 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 order to get to that position where we can compete for the cup every every year, you have to do this. You you you've seen every team in this league that have won the Stanley Cup have gone through basically the same thing as we're going through, and that's why they picked players that are difference makers, exceptional players. At the top of the draft, Boston might be the only team that's that's there that that was able to pick their core players that have been their core players for for 15 years from from way down the draft list. It doesn't happen very much, and and even even less these days when everybody's got so much coverage in every place where where hockey's played. There's so much video available, analytics, all these different things. Nobody slips through the cracks anymore. So you, you look at the Tampa Bay's with their first overall pick, second overall pick that got them their captain and Victor Hedman. You look at uh, Colorado Avalanche, their first overall pick got them Nathan McKinnon, their fourth overall pick. Uh, you know, all, all, all teams have to go through this pain in order to, to become a real good team in this league. And, and there's, there's not too many examples of, of other kinds of shortcuts where you could get there through free agency or the, the best players are just not available ever unless you draft them. And uh, it, it's, it's very rare that if, if they would be, and, and by the time they get to free agency, now they're starting to get to the back nine of their career anyway. So um, it's, uh, it's been painful. Hopefully, uh, um, you know, the pain's worth it, and and we're, we keep building this the right way, having in mind that we still have a lot of work to do. But once we get there, it's going to be so rewarding because we're going to be there for a long time, and 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 we're going to have a core group of guys that went through this process and learned from it, grew with it, and now they know and understand what winning takes, um, and how hard it is to win the stand. The guys that you hire, do they have to be good pickleball players or do you want no challengers on the court? <laughs> I, I don't spend too much time playing pickleball <laughs> with the players. but uh, No, no, I'm talking but, about the coaches uh, you hire. You going to do any interviews oh, on the pickleball the court? Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. fun uh, thing that we do with our management staff every once in a while, if we can slip out in the afternoon and play 
play some pickleball and it takes our mind off the uh off the business for a little bit uh build some camaraderie and and we have some laughs and some fun and and some exercise too i think it's important that, that uh, as we get older here that uh we stay in shape so because this this can be a hard job too you think rimmer could challenge you at all <laughs> no. he's the best in the national hockey league <laughs> among general managers i've got no shot are there rankings no, on no. that are there no. rankings on that jeff uh, well, it's not necessarily rankings, but I've heard other general managers comment about it. Yes. Everybody's well aware of Jarmo Kekalainen on the pickleball court. You're fun game. It's a fun game. Well, Jarmo, thank you very much for uh, taking the time for us. I know you've been uh, very busy and you will be very busy. And uh, if we don't talk to you beforehand, look forward to talking to you after that selection is made in the draft lottery on May the 8th. Thank you very much. Thanks for having Appreciate me. Appreciate your time, Yarmo. Blue Jackets General Manager Yarmo Kekalainen talking with us here on the Inside Edge. Jeff, thanks for pinch hitting for uh, Jody with this. And uh, what you, would you learn from that conversation? What, what comes across to you? Well, uh, several things. Um, obviously, uh, he wants to improve this team the right way, first and foremost. And by that, uh, obviously, he is willing to look elsewhere. Uh, as far as dealing that uh, second first-round pick, the one acquired in the trade with the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, he wants to build it the right way. Uh, in the past, Yarmo has suggested on more than one occasion that uh, he thought we could uh, challenge, uh, maybe not for a Stanley Cup, but go a long way in the playoffs. I think he's tempering those thoughts right now. He wants to build the right way, so not a one-and-done situation, but the Jackets, over a longer period of time, uh, have an opportunity to not only remain in, in the playoffs, but ultimately uh, pick up that uh, that prize at the end of the rainbow, the Stanley Cup uh, as well. You touched on uh, the, the uh, situation here with uh, Pascal Vincent. And uh, obviously, the Blue Jackets were really impressed with Pascal when they interviewed him prior to hiring Brad Larson. And uh, he brings a lot to the table. I think that was in evidence uh, over the course of the season, but it's still ultimately the head coach that makes the decisions. So, yeah, I think that uh, Pascal Vincent has uh, a pretty good chance to uh, perhaps land a head coaching job. So those are the things that uh, I take away from that conversation. There's one other thing that Pascal Vincent has, in my opinion, that other guys coming in are not going to have and that's a relationship with Patrick Laine that he started to develop in Winnipeg with the Jets. And let's be honest about this. Whether he plays center or whether he plays wing, Patrick Laine is somebody the Blue Jackets need to get a lot out of. As a matter of fact, they need to get a lot more out of in the future, don't they? Right. I, I've talked to uh, uh, Pazzi several times away from the rink, and I can tell you, uh, there's a lot of things that he feels that he can improve on with his hockey team. And, and obviously, uh, as Yarmo pointed out, he is 100% committed. And that was evidence during the course of the year. It was evidence when we're on the road. He is totally focused 24 hours a day. And that's one of the uh, uh, attributes that uh, Yarmo is looking for in hiring a new coach. If I can make an analogy... It's not going to be Ken Hitchcock, but Ken Hitchcock was consumed 24 hours, 365 days a year. That's the kind of coach I think that he's looking for. Hitch, his best days are behind him, but uh, still a valuable asset. He might say the same about you. You better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure he would. And he has. Hey, I one more thing for you. A lot of people have been asking me, uh, you know, now that the season's over, what was your favorite part of the season? And I never sat and I thought about it until people started asking me. And I have an answer. And I'm not just saying this because you're on. I'm, I mean, I'm telling you this because you're on. But when you did color with me in Florida, when we just did the radio broadcast, that was one of my favorite parts of the year. What are you talking about? It was. That Why was a lot that? of fun. Because it was different. It was something different. The team wasn't winning anyway. And we got to do something fun for a change. So that's one of my highlights of the year. Well, my highlight uh, of the year was going down the stretch. And, uh, oh, boy. I wanted that first overall pick, and, uh, boy, it was tough doing those games down the stretch because you want the Blue Jackets to win. I mean, that's what we're there for. But at the same time, we'd love to see them get that number one overall pick. It was quite stressful. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I know. I think they should destroy both of our final calls in the Pittsburgh overtime win, quite frankly. 
Oh, my God. Well, you might take the Bemstrom goal away, too. <laughs> Please. Especially the Bemstrom goal. Yeah, actually, a guy that really disappointed in the four years that he was here, and then he scores a goal that, well, put us on the way to uh, losing that first overall pick. Or not the pick, but the chance at the best first chance. overall pick. Yeah, yeah. You will, uh, I'll tell you one thing that he did. You'll never forget his name. I will never forget Bemstrom. <laughs> Jeff, right about that. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your help today, and uh, uh, we'll talk soon. We'll talk soon. Enjoy yourself. That is Jeff Rimmer from Bally Sports Ohio. Coming up next, Jody Shelley will join me from Secaucus, New Jersey. That's where the NHL Network is headquartered. We'll talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs as the Inside Edge continues on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. Again, I want to remind you that 2023-24 Blue Jackets ticket plans are on sale right now. They started just 11 games. You can enjoy exclusive benefits and access to discounted tickets for friends and family while you're saving up to 40%. For details, go to bluejackets.com slash ticket plans. Stanley Cup playoffs are well underway. As a matter of fact, for some teams, they are starting the second game of their first playoff series even as we speak. And joining me right now is Jody Shelley, who has been working on the NHL Network this week, covering the Stanley Cup playoffs. He's also going to be doing work for TNT to get even further into it. So, Jody, welcome back to our show. It's good to have you here. And uh, you're a busy guy covering a lot of fun, exciting stuff right now. And you know what? It's been nice, Bob. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's a great time of year. And, and the season the Blue Jackets had was was fun for us and disappointing, of course, not that they're in the playoffs. But I'll tell you, it is when I cover these games and I get to talk to some of these people, it is nice to think about uh, the day that the Blue Jackets are back in the playoffs and, and, and having the excitement and the urgency in the game because that's what you play for. So, yeah, it's been a wild start, uh, especially the first night, a couple overtimes one was a double overtime uh, a lot of excitement and these teams now and you know it's fun to read the storylines and i remember when the blue jackets were in it and you know what's going to happen in game two what are the adjustments who's going to play like florida's got alex lyon who started but bobrovsky on the bench and he's ready to go um he'll probably play game two and that's you know a lot of excitement there all right, let me ask you, before we get into this, because you just mentioned about this Blue Jackets season, I didn't have a chance to talk to you on Saturday when Yarmo made the announcement. We just uh, talked to Yarmo about the whole decision with uh, Brad Larson being let go. Is this something that surprised you or something you kind of saw coming as the, as the season was going on? No, I wouldn't say I saw it coming. You know, it's one of those things where you know Yarmo's assessing where the organization's at. You know, the fact that there were injuries, I was thinking maybe that Brad Larson was going to get another year uh, or, or get another chance at this. Uh, but, you know, when someone gets hired to be a coach, we all know how it goes. Um, the next stop, the, the next progression is, um, if things don't go well, is he's the one to fall first. And in this case, it's Brad Larson after a disappointing season. And... You know, it's all about the development of the players and the right fit for this situation. And if Yarmo sees it's not the right fit, he's the one that has to make the decision. And then now the organization needs to make uh, the right hire to make sure that this goes uh, in the right direction. So to answer your question, I was uh, I was a little surprised. But, you know, we've been around long enough, Bob, to understand that these situations happen. What a great person. He's a guy that's been in the Blue Jackets organization for a decade, uh, understands a lot of these players. And it hasn't worked, so you know he'll be he'll be fine. Hopefully, he finds a job quickly. Um, and he's the guy who's really been a part of the the Columbus uh, area. So, yeah, it's uh, it's tough to see, but we'll see what happens next. I could see him wearing orange and black. I don't know. It'd be interesting. I don't know. Just the I'm whole. Not, I don't the, think so. The, the Torch connection is all I'm saying. You yeah, but I, I I don't know. Yeah, we'll I, I think Torch has his thing there. I think he's got Bradshaw, Rocky Thompson. Uh, he's a guy that's very loyal. I know that. And Brad Larson's high on his list, but I'm not sure where, where they'd be able to fit him in. All right. Well, you're absolutely right. He is a good person and it is unfortunate, but it was the situation. And now the search is on for that new head coach. All right, let's talk about these playoffs. Two games that are going on right now, the Islanders in Carolina and the Florida Panthers, Boston Bruins, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Boston Bruins, they both lead their series one game to none. They both finished in first place in their respective uh, divisions. Start with Carolina and the Islanders, that first game, nip and tuck all the way through it. I guess that's not really a surprise. No, it's not a surprise. And, and 
you know, those those are two very disciplined teams. And Sorokin did a good job for the Islanders to keep it 2-1. I mean, the Hurricanes play fast. They play strong. It was a great atmosphere to watch that game. Not not a high event game, but the Islanders looked slow and like they couldn't get things going. So, you know, what? I, I would expect them to have a better outing this uh, tonight against the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. The Islanders have to win this game, I think. But we'll see. I mean, it's... <laughs> You would expect not many goals in in, uh, in this series, and that's exactly what start, it started out like. And it's funny, Bob. Special teams and details has been the theme of the entire playoffs. And you look at some of the teams that have been in the playoffs and understand the importance of that. I mean, Carolina had a dreadful power play, or I guess average power play going into the playoffs, and they get two goals on that. And, you know, it really boosts them. And, and it, it's one of those situations that, it's funny to watch these teams that understand those 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 importance of those situations and take advantage of them. The Boston Bruins they, they got a three to one win in their first game over the Florida Panthers. I don't know, maybe it's a little bit closer than you think that it would be, but you know, David Pasternak got a goal in that game. That's no surprise. But Tyler Bertuzzi, here's a guy they added for depth before the trade deadline. He came up with a couple of key assists, and that's one thing we do know about Boston. These guys are deep. It's crazy. I mean, you look at the depth that they have. They're really a selfless team when you look at their goaltending tandem and Allmark and Swayman. You know, there's no animosity there. Those guys support each other. Allmark came in and took that number one position and got 40 wins on the season. And, you know, those guys that are having a great time. Nick Foligno, the former captain of the Blue Jacket, accepted a fourth-line role. Uh, he just wants to win a Stanley Cup, and I feel like that's throughout the lineup. Taylor Hall. He's not on any power play unit, and they're trying four different uh, variations of power plays. Uh, you know, that's where their team is at, and there's good players sitting out. Matt Grizzlick, a plus 48 on the season, was a healthy scratch for this team. Uh, it's pretty incredible what they got going on with depth. And when you talk about Bertuzzi, I mean, uh, can you find a better pickup for the playoffs? I mean, he's got grease. He's got skill. He can be on the power, power play. He picked up points. He's fun to watch. I mean. They are a well-oiled machine, and every single spot is uh, is played perfectly. And they won game one without their captain, Patrice Bergeron, who's not playing tonight. So when you look at that team and how it's built, and they started the season without McAvoy, without Brad Marchand. Uh, they had those, Grizzlick was out, and they just rolled through the league. And, and they're going to be a tough out for Florida. They got to play perfect. And that might even not, even if they do, they might not get, they might not win the series. It's one of those things. So um, you talk about depth, and we talk about depth in organizations all the time. Boston has got it like we might never see again. It's incredible. Let's move on to the other two games that will be played later tonight. Minnesota at Dallas. Minnesota was able to steal the first game of that series. Actually, the two road teams in these last two series, they got the wins in overtime. Minnesota at Dallas and Los Angeles at Edmonton. But the Wild and the Stars, one of the big stories that comes out of that first game is Joe Pavelski and the hit that he takes from Matt Dumba, which was a, a pretty devastating hit. I'm not saying it was dirty or not, but it was it was a devastating hit. And Pavelski's a guy that's really important for the Dallas Stars. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, you know, last year Crosby got hit uh, by Truba at the, with the Rangers and it changed the series. And, you know, it's emotional when you see one of your – Older guys like Pavelski, such a respected player, a top-line player, uh, go out like that, wobbly on his skates. We hope he's okay, uh, but he hasn't skated since. And, you know, it was, a, it was a deemed a clean hit by Dumba, and we're all so cautious when we see these hits now, how to judge them, and, you know, was it a little bit late? I thought it might have been a tad late, but it was a strong hit with an unsuspecting uh, player in Pavelski who got the worst of it. And, you know, when he, did, he went down and hit the ice, it was – you could tell that he was in a bad spot. But, you know, that's one thing in playoffs that it really ramps up is during the regular season, I think you can get away with some plays where, you know, you're not suspecting and a player doesn't finish it. Uh, but in the playoffs, you've got to be aware of guys like Truba, Dumba, and there's some other guys out there that, that lay them out. And we'll see how that shifts this series. But Minnesota's able to keep it close and then win that in double overtime. That's a huge lift for them. Because I thought Dallas with Ottinger, um, they, they played really well. Yeah, what a goaltender he's turning into being. And I, I, it really should not be a surprise if you watch his development over the last couple of years. But 
he is becoming that backstop for them. Uh, I know that you're a huge Connor McDavid fan. I know you're huge on the Edmonton Oilers going into these playoffs, but they lost the first game at home. The LA Kings scored with just 11 seconds left in regulation to force the game into overtime. Then they got the win in overtime. Of course, uh, the Kings are a team that I know we're all pulling a little bit for in a way because of Ladislav Gavrikov and Jonas Corposalo. And I loved uh, Todd McClellan's quotes after the game when it came to Corposalo. He said, every time we needed a big save, he was there. And that's the difference in that game one. And we're not surprised in Columbus, Bob. I mean, we, we saw him do it against the Toronto Maple Leafs. We, we saw what he can do uh, when he's at the top of his game. He's re-energized out there. Gavrikov made a big play uh, on a goal, a Kempe goal. You know, it's we know these players and you can tell by uh, the quotes of not only the coach, but his teammates, their teammates that they appreciate these people and the, the way they're playing the game. So great fit, great pickup by Rob Blake. We talked about it right away when that trade happened. And you look at that game for the Oilers, Connor McDavid, no points. And he's only seven games this season where he had no points. And, um, I expect him to come back in a big way at home. They had a comfortable lead 3-1. They blew it at home. What a tough way to lose game one. Uh, they're probably talking about it being a lesson. But look out tonight. That's a late game uh, out in Edmonton tonight. And and Connor McDavid, I think he, he's always must-watch TV. But tonight, uh, this could be fascinating if he dials it up against the LA Kings, who do have Kopitar... And Deneau, and Deneau spent a lot of time in the hip pocket of Connor McDavid. And, you know, he's had that at times throughout his whole career. I, I would expect him to adjust tonight. Jody Shelley is covering the Stanley Cup playoffs for the NHL Network, and soon he'll be covering them on TNT. We'll talk about the other series as we continue with the Inside Edge right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley, and we are talking Stanley Cup playoffs. So it was good to be a road team in those last two series that were uh, played two nights ago. It was great to be a road team last night as the other four series got underway because all of the road teams won. And the Rangers were first. They go into New Jersey. They knock off the Devils 5-1. to one. Here is my thing with the Devils, Jody, going into this. And I know they set team records this year, and they have been great. I get it. I understand. But they're still a young team. I was wondering if they're going to be one of those teams that they've got to come in, they've got to take their lumps in the playoffs this year so they can learn uh, from it and then build upon it for years to come. But the goaltending matchup between Shesterkin and Vanacek, uh, it was on full display last night. I mean, the Rangers had two goals on their first nine shots in the game, and they go on to win that one easily. How do you see that series? Yeah, I mean, Sturkin, you know, he made he made some really big saves at key times. He only had 23 shots on him. Uh, that series, to me, is is the Rangers to lose. And I say that because they're a little heavier than the New Jersey Devils. You know, they, can, they have the size. They have uh, the ability to lean on you. And, you know, the New Jersey Devils didn't have much time and space to move. And, and that I credit that to the Rangers because, you know, they could play the wide open game, too. And if they do, you have to get that gives the Devils a big chance. But they checked against them. They the Devils had zero shots on four power plays. And that tells you the buy in like Adam Fox, former Norris, Norris Trophy winner. He's the defenseman, number one defenseman for the Rangers. Four block shots committed to win, committed to defense, which you can pick a sport. And and talk uh, look at any coach's quotes. That's what's win. That what win championships is is defense. And, and it it was just spectacular to watch them play. They did have an ideal start. And I'll tell you, as far as a road game, I heard that it was about forty five percent Ranger fans, fifty five percent Devils fans. So not a huge home advantage in Newark. Uh, just about eight miles from uh, Madison Square Garden where the Rangers play. Well, it's a good thing you don't lose a playoff series after only one game, or the Toronto Maple Leafs would be in a world of hurt right now. Tampa goes in there, and they just throttled them. 7-3 to three was the final score in the game, and uh, the Lightning had a 3 to nothing lead before the first period was even over in that game. Look, I think the Lightning has, nobody will disagree, the, at the uh, edge when it comes to goaltending, but, man, seven goals in game one, not good for Toronto. No, you know what? You could just sense it, the nervousness of the fans. This matchup has been set since pretty much November. And 
you know, Tampa comes in, they, they kind of stumble or glide into the playoffs, if you will. They get a great start. You know, Braden Point picks up a couple goals. No one's shocked at that. Anyone that's watched these guys play. Their fourth line scores the first goal of the game uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sorelli has one of those games that's spectacular. I thought it was interesting when the Toronto Maple Leafs made it 3-2. And then they took another bad penalty and it kind of got away from them again. I don't think this series, this one to me will go seven games. This is one of those things that might be the best thing for the Toronto Maple Leafs because they didn't play their game at all. They were hesitant on pucks. They they were getting pushed on the outside. Uh, their, their top players were getting frustrated with trying to get pucks to the middle of the ice. Hedman left the game and did not come back for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Chernak left the game after a, a bad hit by Bunning, who's going to get a, a call. He's, he's already got a hearing today. He's probably suspended already. Um, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, he's their top line winger, kind of an agitator. So I would expect a different different brand of hockey from the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, in Game Two. And I think you know, for Tampa, they're a veteran team. They won't feel too you know. There, there's that that warning of hey, don't feel too good about yourself. And I sense that they won't. But I think Toronto now in desperation mode in Game Two. I think they get back in this series, and we're going to see a long one. What about the Winnipeg Jets? They go into Vegas. They hold the Golden Knights to 17 shots on goal, one goal total. Jets win 5-1, to one, and the Golden Knights were getting booed out of their own building. Jack Eichel's first playoff game in his National Hockey League career, and he didn't. He just looked confused. And, and, and well, welcome to the playoffs, Jack Eichel. It's a matchup game now, and he's the head. He's the number one center. He's the superstar. And they really did a good job of, of shutting him down. And when you look at the Jets, Bob, we've been saying this for a few years. They're built for the playoffs. They're big. They're fast. They're skilled. They're strong. They have a Hellebuck is their goaltender. Uh, he, he's won the Vezina as the top goaltender in the National Hockey League. He had an off year last year. Uh, this is a team that was the top of the Western Conference uh, midway through the season. They had a couple lulls, which might have helped them. They've had injuries. But boy, they've got some great role players, and I don't—I I hate to bring it up—but Pierre Luc Dubois, this is his time of year. And remember how he would agitate the opposition, and how he played such a big role when the Blue Jackets swept the Tampa Bay Lightning. He is big and strong, and he just knows when to throw that late hit. And he was a big factor in that game last night. So I love the Winnipeg Jets. I have for a long time. Uh, I think they're—they're—they don't—they don't get the respect, I guess, because they haven't really proven themselves. But, boy, did they dominate that game last night. Speaking of playoff firsts, the Seattle Kraken in the playoffs for the first time ever as an NHL franchise and knocking off the defending Stanley Cup champions in game one. Three to one was the final score in that one, and the Kraken just wouldn't go away. And ironically, ironically, it's a former <laughs> Avalanche goaltender that is in net for the Seattle Kraken in Grubauer. He's the guy that got the job done. Hey. And the first star of the night, Bob, was Alexander Wenberg, former Blue Jacket. You know, he had a golden assist. He had a strong game, game winner uh, for the Seattle Kraken. This is a four-line, six-defense team. And when you have Grubauer playing that type of game, as he did against the defending Stanley Cup champions, Colorado Avalanche, uh, big night in Seattle. I mean, the their first goal was scored, first playoff goal in franchise history was scored. That was Tolvin in their pickup from Nashville. Uh, they had Grubauer stand on his head. They couldn't, you know, Colorado, you could sense that they just weren't on their game. They were a little sloppy with the pucks. But you have to credit Seattle because they roll four lines. It's almost like they have uh, two uh, number two lines and two number three lines. They're that balanced. And they just keep rolling and coming after you. And they got the results. And, and you know, it's, it's you know, they might have surprised teams at the beginning of the year. But there's no superstar on that team, and they kind of have something special in that because they are truly a team and play that way. And and that is hard to play against in the playoffs. So the Avalanche have got to find a way to up their game and try to get into the mines and get inside on the Seattle Kraken. All right, what's next for you? Heading off to Florida? Well, tonight, yeah, we I've I've got the late shift, which is good because you know that that show airs all the next morning with the NHL Network, so it's kind of a highlight show. That's fun. So I'll go into the studio uh, after this radio show tonight. I'll be there from nine till first night with the double overtime. I was there till three thirty a.m. and then I'll do that again tonight, uh, probably hopefully till two a.m. tonight. You know, barring no overtimes. And then tomorrow I head to Florida with John Luke. We're going to cover the Florida-Boston series game three and four 
uh, for TNT. So we're excited for that. So a lot of meetings, a lot of research. Uh, but, Bob, this is the time of year where it's just a, a lot of fun to dig in on these playoffs. Well, I'm excited for you guys. I'm glad you get to do it. And uh, as we wrap up the Inside Edge for the year, just want to thank you for being here all year and for all the work that you've done on this. Uh, I think we've had some great conversations with some great people throughout the course of this season. And what was a down season, we actually got to learn a lot of great things about people in this organization and around the league. So thanks for being a part of that again. Yeah, we have to thank all the access the Blue Jackets given us, Bob. You know, I appreciate working with you. It was, uh, you know, people ask us, you know, they ask you and me, what, you know, how do you do it? And it was a tough season. And, and, you know, we had such a fun season, and especially on this radio show where, as you mentioned, we get to talk to the players, know the people, all the people that came in the locker room, the people in the organization that are behind the scenes like Yarmo and, and the coaching staff. You know, it was uh, it's enjoyable for us, and hopefully our listeners enjoyed uh the information that we learned together about about uh, these great people that work and, and, and are the Columbus Blue Jackets. And we're going to have some great conversations here in the future, especially when we find out on May the 8th where the Blue Jackets are going to finally slot in the draft order. That's going to be the next big, exciting event coming up here in Columbus. Ooh, so, yeah. that's going to be so much fun. Let's go. We need a little bit of luck, but you know, uh, I have a good feeling about this. I know. I, 13 could be a lucky number here. That's a percentage, a little over 13. I don't mind that. Let's go. I like where your head's at, Bob. That would be a massive thing for the Blue Jackets to get the first overall pick in Connor Bedard. There's a buzz around the league that everyone I talk to says they would love to see him in Columbus with the young core, uh, with the location of Columbus and how the organization uh, has just been trying to get you know things going. This would just accelerate and be a bright spot for them. All right. We're going to find out in just a couple of weeks if it is possible or not. Jody, again, thanks very much. Uh, great watching you on the NHL Network, which, again, you'll be able to watch Jody late tonight and all through the morning tomorrow. And then make sure you catch him on TNT when the Boston Bruins travel to Florida to take on the Panthers, he and Jean-Luc Grandpierre. So have fun, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right, T-Bob. Thanks. That is Jody Shelley, and that will wrap up the season for the Inside Edge. Thanks to everybody that's helped us along, and thanks to you for being there all season. And uh, we'll do it again soon. Make sure you stay tuned at BlueJackets.com and the Blue Jackets social media channels. Anything that's coming up that we're going to talk to you about, you'll know so you can tune in and find out what we have to say. But that's going to wrap it up here on the Inside Edge on 97.1 The Fan. Bob McElligot for Jody Shelley saying thanks for listening.